Living God, may we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Speak to our hearts by your spirit, that we may hear your word to us this morning and store up treasure in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Last Sunday, many of us were still in shock. We were taking in the reality that our Queen had died and many in this church were also grieving because it came at a time when we lost a significant, much-loved member of our community. This week, we've been living with the devastating news, journeying with our sadness and our grief. And it's been a time for weeping, for reflection, for prayer, for paying tributes and expressing love and gratitude by offering appropriate gestures and some inappropriate ones. I think they've got too many marmalade sandwiches outside uh, Buckingham Palace. For some, this has been an opportunity to make a pilgrimage to London, to mark an historic moment with others, to enshrine a memory, to share experiences and to reflect together. For some, this journey has meant queuing for hours to see our late queen in state Westminster Hall, just across the road here uh, from MCHW. People from varying backgrounds and cultures have a shared common experience and they're trying to make sense of it all together. I was actually quite moved by David Beckham's humility. He queued for 13 hours wearing a flat cap, hoping not to be recognized, to make his pilgrimage to have his quiet moment with his queen and to pay respects at Westminster Hall without trying to push in front of the queue. Neither stardom nor wealth exempt us from grief. Our mortality is a sobering leveler. So this is a week we will never forget. I certainly won't forget it. Here in this building, the world's media have moved in. Uh, you probably noticed the security around the place. All to broadcast a Christian funeral that could be watched by 4.1 billion people to tell a human story of a significant person's life and witness. Well, I thank God that this church through our conference center and the unique ministry of this cathedral of Methodism, has, through our imaginative ministry of hospitality, played our part in enabling Christian worship and discussion about Christianity to be broadcast globally. It's a tremendous witness. I know it's inconvenient for us at times, but what we've enabled to happen in this place is very significant. And we've supported our sister church, Westminster Abbey, by looking after the media for them. In a practical way, we've also prayed for them. And I do encourage you to intercede for our sisters and brothers at Christ at Westminster Abbey tomorrow, especially for the very Reverend Dr. David Hoyle, whose words will be broadcast across the earth. What an opportunity for witness. Monday 
is not just death and mourning, neither is it just a tribute to the Queen. We shall be commending Elizabeth to God's mercy and remembering God's love. We will be believing and declaring that Jesus has conquered sin and death by rising again for us. We shall be heralding the Christian hope of resurrection, that eternal life is possible through faith. What an opportunity to speak of our faith. And I hope tomorrow you will not just experience the, the funeral, but you will speak of the resurrection to others. And as we hit pause in this service to prepare for the funeral tomorrow, let us be honest too and confront our own mortality. Our two readings were not the set lessons for today. I chose to have them read because they remind us to live with eternity's perspective. Our reading from Matthew, uh, we were challenged to ask what are we living for? And I ask you to ask yourself that question. What are you living for? You see, Jesus urges his disciples to live for God. This world's treasures don't last, he said. Our fashionable clothes will be eaten by moths. Our expensive possessions break down and may get stolen. True wealth is in heaven. And that should be the prize that we strive for, where there's no decay and where there's no loss. And Jesus urges us to choose between God and the love of money. The love of money, we're told, is the root of all evil. And the desire for money, if we're not careful, can take us over. We end up worshipping it as a God. But we need to get things in perspective. We need to be good stewards with everything that God has entrusted us with. And in the passage, we have very straight talking from Jesus. We can only worship God or money. Our worship should be to God. There isn't room for loyalty to both. We need to make sure that all our material things are subject to our Lord and that we use them to God's praise and glory. So we need to seek God's kingdom above all else. That's what this passage is all about. And then in St. Paul, 1 Corinthians 9, verses 22 to 27, it makes it clear that Paul had a glorious prize to seek for and to live for, an incorruptible crown. Paul compares himself to racers and combatants in the Ishmian games, an illusion that was well known to the Corinthians. Let me quote Paul's words. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. I hope uh, at this point Owen's got to pick, put
put a picture of the crown uh, that you saw probably on the television. I was deeply moved to see Her Majesty's coffin pass through the streets of Westminster with the priceless imperial state crown on the top of it. If you keep going through, there we are. Now that crown has 3,000 sparkling stones including 2,868 diamonds, 273 pearls, 17 sapphires, 11 emeralds, and 5 rubies. Apparently, one diamond is the second star of Africa, cut from the largest diamond that was ever found. It was given to Edward VII on his 66th birthday uh, by the government of Transvaal, the former British uh, colony, crown colony. Uh, in the present-day South Africa. It also includes, and you can probably see it in the middle there, the oldest gem in the royal collection. It's a sapphire said to be from the ring worn by the 11th century King of England, uh, St. Edward the Confessor. And the stone is now set, you can see it, in the centre of the cross that tops the crown. Now, as I watched that crown being taken through the streets of London. I have to confess, I was worried it was going to slip off. They must have had some very good double-sided tape or something underneath it. That was my worry as they were carrying it around. But it made me think that the Queen can't wear that crown forever. Neither can she take that crown with her. There's an even more valuable crown awaiting her and awaiting us too. It's the imperishable crown that's spoken of in our reading from Corinthians. Now, uh, you can look this up sometime, but there are five heavenly crowns that are mentioned in the New Testament that are awarded to believers. The imperishable crown, the crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory, and the crown of life. It could be a series of sermons. But the Greek word for crown is translated as stephanos. And it's the source, the word is the source of the word Stephen. Stephen the martyr, who we believe received the crown for his faithfulness and his death. Our new king, Charles III, recalls a memory from childhood. It was his mother preparing for her coronation. And one bath time, she was practicing wearing the crown and came in whilst he was having a bath. And uh, he remembered that story. She had to practice. Practice makes perfect. And so it is with the Christian life. We have to work at it and master what it means to be obedient to Christ, to be loving in our serving. It will be tough at times to live obediently. It will be tough to keep walking in the right direction. We will feel the heavy weight of responsibility, but it will be worth it. Aged 14, 
1940, and I think we may have a picture of our Queen just before that, so it gives you an idea of the sort of age she was. That was her first visit to Central Hall in 1937. But the then Princess Elizabeth, a few late years later after that, broadcast these words to the children of Britain. We know that every one of us, we know every one of us, that in the end all will be well. God will care for us and give us the victory and peace. And when peace comes, remember it will be for us, the children of today, to make the world of tomorrow a better and happier place. Amazing, isn't it? Age 14, the seed of faith in Elizabeth's heart that clearly grew and sustained her when she became monarch. Queen Elizabeth II had an earthly rule, but she constantly pointed to her heavenly king. She got things in perspective. She was faithful to the God who she believed had been faithful to her. And so I want to encourage you today, as we take time to mourn ourselves, that we consider our own mortality and ask ourselves, what is life for? Yes, it's for living. I believe that. But how will we live? Andy Flanagan and Sam Hilgreaves have written a hymn, which is specially for uh, this weekend. It's about the Queen, and it's been offered to the churches, and we're going to sing it in a moment. But let me read the last verse. When our days are at their dimming, and our work on earth is done, may we hear, as does our sovereign, faithful servant, welcome home. May we rise with Christ to witness a new heaven and earth displayed, ours a robe that will not tarnish, hers a crown that will not fade. It's true, our late queen had a privileged life. She possessed treasure on earth. But Elizabeth II reigned with dignity and served with humility for 70 years. And her Christian faith was core to her being. She knew where her real treasure was. The question is, do you? Are you living for the moment or thoughtfully preparing for eternity? Are you running the rat race for short-lived prizes or are you serving obediently with love, pacing yourself for a crown that will not fade? I pray that it may be the latter. And I believe all the saints in heaven are cheering us on, wanting us to run that race and to receive the prize. Thanks be to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, who makes it all possible. Amen. Let us pray. O God, the protector of all who trust in thee, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply upon us thy mercy, that thou, being our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal 
that we finally lose not things eternal. Grant this, O Heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Let us sing a new hymn.